Welcome to What's Working in Marketing, a podcast for marketers that uncovers what's working across the digital landscape by tapping into the world's best data-backed research and through candid conversations with industry experts. I'm your host, Charlie Grinnell. All right, on this episode, I'm joined by Matt McGowan, General Manager of Canada at Snap. Matt, thank you very much for joining me today. Really, really good to be here. Thanks for having me, Charlie. I usually start by opening up these episodes by going back to the beginning. I think it's really important to just get an understanding of your kind of career to date. And so you've had a really, you know, when I looked you up and, and started to dig into your background, you've worked in a lot of different places. And I'd love it if you could kind of start there, because I think that'll kind of set the stage for the conversation that we're going to have. So why don't we start there? You know, I've had, I've been, I've been fortunate enough to have a, a rather robust career that's taken me um, to three continents. Um, and I, you know, and this taking me kind of from an entry level role through to, um, you know, regional leadership where I sit today, it's, uh, I've, I've, I've been, you know, I've been really fortunate, but I guess, uh, as a born bred New Yorker, who's turned Torontonian, uh, you know, I've, I've found myself working with founders, C-suite execs, venture capitalists, private equity, uh, lawyers, accountants, so on and so forth. Um, with those, you know, large Fortune 500s and 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 uh, smaller kind of smaller businesses, um, you know, around the world. And uh, I must say, today I'm fortunate enough to sit on top of uh, Snap Canada. You know, we're the company that owns Snapchat and Bitmoji and Zenly and a few Spectacles and a few other properties. And uh, I've never been more excited about my career. Um, and uh, I know we're here to talk about Snap, so I can kind of leave it there. I think. Yeah, let's let's talk about the the Snap story in Canada. I think you know when you and I first got in touch, I was really excited to talk to you about Snap, Snapchat, Spectacles, all the things, just because I feel like from a marketing perspective, you know, it, it is part of a marketing mix for marketers. But I feel like a lot of most marketers I talk to, um, it's something that they feel that they don't know a ton about. So that's kind of why I was like, oh my gosh, like I got to get Matt on here to to kind of see see what's up and and see how marketers should be kind of you know, bringing it into their marketing mix. So why don't we just start with like the snap story in Canada? You kind of mentioned before we started recording that it started with the acquisition of Bitmoji and how has it kind of grown from there? Can you expand on that? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I like to say snap kind of planted its flag here in Canada with the acquisition of Bitmoji, which is a Toronto tech uh, story um, and uh, which today is still run by its original founders within snap. Uh, here out of uh, out wow. of Toronto, um, yeah. So we're we're we've gone from those humble days about five years ago to you know now we have a full suite of uh, you know of colleagues and employees here in in country about 160 in total, covering everything from product and engineering to sales and marketing and measurement, um, and just and and almost most importantly, create creative. Um, we have a rather strong creative strategy team here. And, uh, and we like to think of ourselves, it's actually one of the traits with in which we hire is kind, smart, and creative. So um, we're very kind of focused on that. It's been a really fun, like interesting ride that I've been lucky enough to be a part of for about half of it. So I've been with Snap about half of its five years here in, in Canada. Um, and it's taken us to some really cool places. I mean, just if we think about uh, Snap today, uh, in Canada, um, we reach over 10 million people, which is a significant portion, wow. like 80, 80, 85% of the, uh, 
of the 13 to, to 24 audience and, and slightly lower around like 80, 75, 80% of the 13 to 34 audience. And, you know, this, that demographic, that Gen Z early millennial is our bread and butter. It's, uh, it's the focus of everything we do. Uh, we're built for them. Um, and, 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 like, and, and similarly, so as you kind of move around the world, um, reaching over 500 million people, wow. um, vast majority of which are, um, you know, Gen Z and early millennials. And I think that audience has never been more important to brands today for a variety of reasons. So when you talk about like, sure, everyone knows of Snap. Sure, mm-hmm. we, have a, we, have a, we have a rather large brand um, globally. We have a rather small team. <laughs> so it might be one of the largest brands in the world but we only have about five thousand employees and like i said 160 here in canada yeah um so nowhere near the our peers um that said uh what i do find is because we reach this younger audience the leadership that's you know leadership comes in all ages and sizes but uh the reality is most of leadership across canada is over 34. yeah um and uh, they're not on the platform so that is a struggle that we deal with every day is trying to remind those who are making the decisions that those are trying to reach kind of love and, and, and spend a lot of their time on our platform mm-hmm. uh, versus our peers. So yeah. it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's, it's a struggle we're, we're, we're going at methodically and uh, we uh, we're making a lot of progress, um, but uh, we have a long way to go. Yeah. Totally fair. And I I think I want to like dive a little bit deeper into, you know, the the audience that spends time on Snap, like kind of who are they and, you know, what should marketers really be excited about when they're thinking about like, okay, Snap, Snapchat as a platform, um, as an avenue for marketing, like what's kind of the things that come to mind and maybe talk a little bit about, you know, how, how different marketers have kind of used it. Have you seen different funnel stages, that sort of thing? Right, right. So um, I would say uh, there's a couple different ways to uh, answer that question. Um, <laughs> like I said, it's if we're fo- like our audience is primarily and it's the vast majority of almost all of and, uh, and, and much larger than our peers in that 13 to 34 uh, age, all right, uh, that age range. And, um, and uh, everything, like I said, everything we do is focused on them. So what we do is we see a lot of success. And if we think about the marketing funnel i know it's maybe not uh, the best way to think about things these days but you know we can we can kind of envision uh that funnel um we find that you know dollars spent on snap are are rather equal whether they're upper funnel brand kind of awareness dollars or lower funnel performance last click attribution type dollars um and uh, that was something that surprised me when i got to snap i didn't realize things like augmented reality and and uh and and even mobile video uh for that matter could lead to such uh efficiencies and performance for advertisers um so that was something that definitely was eye-opening to me when i started and when you think about the clients who spend on snap it's a wide range you got your fortune 500 95% 95% of them are active on Snap and more and more are kind of turning always on on Snap. Yeah. Um, and then you got your long tail. And, um, and by long tail, I mean, as mid-market brands through to the smaller SMBs, there's been a lot of focus, you know, on that. We know that they have different requirements than, than, than the larger enterprises, but we are every day making improvements to offer them a solution that that works for them and uh, we're seeing a lot of success in in those type of clients growing uh you know okay you know coming along with us and joining the platform 
Um, and again, they're joining it for a variety of reasons. Some want to be innovative yeah. um, and try something new. Um, some want to diversify uh, their spend away from kind of the, 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 the 800 pound kind of gorillas in the space. Some want to reach Gen Z and millennials where they're the happiest and where they kind of spend uh, most of their time. Um, you know, it's, it's a wide range, wide mm -hmm. range of reasons, but the reality is um, we have really strong retention rates with our advertisers and our Snapchatters. I, and I, by the way, I refer to Snapchatters not as employees, but as those who use the platform. Yep. Um, and I got the distinction that um, is worth noting because um, it, it's, it's literally the most important uh, part, piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm, totally. And so for, yeah, for, for all the marketers kind of listening out there, trying to make sense of if, if Snap should fit into their marketing mix, what are kind of some like best in class examples of maybe like a small brand or like one of those larger brands using Snap and, and the ecosystem within their marketing mix? So Charlie, you're on the West Coast, right? I'm on the West Coast in you Vancouver. Are, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there clearly is out there with you. Yep. Um, and you know, that's a I know they're opening up stores now. I think I saw one on Queen Street here in Toronto recently, yep. but um, you know they've been with us for years. And um, I actually am a customer. Yeah. Wearing my glasses to yep. all those who are not on video. Um, but uh, uh, so like companies like clearly quickly understood that one of the best ways to reach uh, our audience, you know, to reach that younger Gen Z audience who had yet to really build a lot of brand loyalty in their lives. Um, and might go with uh, a, a new entrant because there was a lot of there's a lot of established players in the glasses space, you know, sunglasses and reading glasses and whatnot. Um, so yeah, so clearly leaned in, um, great customer. They uh, they use um, our augmented reality products to do sizing and fitting of glasses virtually through your through your phone, so that when you order your glasses, you get the right size the right look yeah you know in the frame um i got it right the first time and i have a big head let me tell you it's not easy <laughs> getting it right the first time um but then you know i could tell you stories about tim hortons um bells rogers of the world the banks rbc starbucks you know apparel like lululemon another west coast phenomena um so i mean it's a wide wide range we have uh auto dealers on the platform that, you know, own regional auto dealerships, uh, you know, around Canada, uh, the, you know, government clients, um, the list goes on. It's, yeah. uh, there's, you know, we, there's, um, in five years, you, it's a good amount of time to really kind of get you the word out. And, and if, if it's not like a, a sector that we're fully entrenched in, it's a sector that we have some really good uh, wins in with, uh, with a few clients and, and, and we're trying to go deeper you know, broadening out the client base. Totally. That makes a lot of sense. I want to, I want to kind of switch gears here. This is a, a bit of a random question, but what's the one thing that Snap is kind of involved in that you don't think gets enough publicity or that marketers are kind of sleeping on or, or overlooking, right? Like there are kind of so many things. And, you know, when you and I were kind of prepping for this episode, I was kind of sitting there going, holy shit. Yeah. I forgot about that. Or I forgot about that. And so like, what's kind of one thing, like you're in it kind of day in, day out that you look at and you're like, this is really cool and this doesn't get enough airtime. Wow. Um, that's a, I love that question. I, again, it's hard to pick one, yeah. but let me, uh, let me start with, I think safety and privacy is a big thing. Um, when snap first launched uh, just over a decade ago, uh, everyone thought the fact that there was ephemerality in the messaging platform, it must be something to do with, you know, there being uh, nefarious intent or something like that. 
The reality yeah. it had nothing to do with that, right? Yeah. Um, we we lead with privacy in everything we do, including things like when people sign up to the platform, they're not opted into a lot of stuff. They have to actually go about that themselves. They're, you know, it's like almost opt out by default. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and, and for us in this world where privacy has never been more important, a lot of the tenants with which we built our business, well, we could say, I guess they're, they're, they're being viewed very differently today than they might've been back then. Yeah. Um, so, so safety and privacy is big. It's a big thing for us also because of the demographic of our audience. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that's, 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 that's probably one thing that picks up that doesn't get enough press in my mind. Um, but I could add more, like, yeah. uh, I'm just thinking out loud here. Yeah. Um, kind of like built off the, um, safety and privacy is ethical design. Right. Hmm. So there's no comment. Uh, there's no real open news feed. We think of commenting as a vector for bullying with our audience. Our users aren't trying to build followings and get likes. Right. Hmm. There's, it, it, there, there's a, they're posting an authentic picture or video um, or even words uh, that they know is, is, is representative of them in the moment. Um, hmm. They're expressing it to a small group of friends um who they they're connected with and then it's gone um it's it's like like a virtual water cooler it's like yeah. uh, you know passing someone on the street and having that moment and that you feel really good about because hey you know like you get home and you're like hey you know who i bumped into today it was so good to see him her whatever um so that's happening that's happening on snap uh and there's more we can go into way more but mental yeah. health we're here for you platform um our, our friend checkup platform is super interesting uh goes on and on. Yeah. Um, well, one of the things I wanted to, to talk about that you and I chatted about before the episode was how kind of big Snapchat is getting into shows, almost like a TV channel. And so, you know, not really just kind of IP that partners with creators, but you kind of have these channels around like broadcasting mainstream programming, like the Olympics or entertainment tonight. Can you just kind of like expand on that and just talk about like what that means for the platform as a whole, but also for marketers? So you asked a question uh, earlier, like yeah. what, what do what do I wish people knew about Snap uh, or you know media buyers knew about Snap uh, that they may they have overlooked? We're not all UGC. <laughs> we yeah. we have we have broadcast esque content on our platform, and by mm -hmm. that I mean like you said, Entertainment Tonight Canada, you know Big Brother Canada, yeah. uh, in Paradise I think I can't remember. Yeah. Um, cook, cooking shows, um, you know the CBC. Uh, so, so we have something called our discover platform. When you open Snapchat, you'll see five tabs across the bottom. When you open Snapchat, you're looking at your camera, your yeah. camera company, first and foremost, right? No feeds, no, no, none of that stuff, just the world in front of you. Yeah. Um, and if you swipe to the left, you, um, you end up on our discover platform. And in that platform, you have access to all sorts of news, entertainment content, um, sports, uh, so on and so forth. It's all short form. So we're talking three to five minutes. It's it's scripted, it's unscripted. But the big distinction between Discover and most other platforms out there on the web or on your phone, I should say, is that it's curated. It's more like Netflix. Yeah. I can't put anything up there without it being vetted. So by design, our platform tends to be safer and curated, I think is a good word. And um, so here in Canada, we have over, it's funny, a couple, and this is another thing, like three years ago, I think we had one or two media partners in Canada, and, and now we have about 30. So we're, we're moving in the right direction, but they include Rogers, Bell, 
They include smaller companies like Diply and Underknown. They include the CBC. They include Chorus, which we just yeah. announced uh, a couple of weeks ago. And they're bringing their shows that are available on broadcast to Snap in cut for Snap, originally for Snap, right? So in the short form. So they can take a 30-minute broadcast on the CBC and break it down to a four-minute kind of highlight, which is what our audience seems to want. And, and I tell you, it's, it's a big differentiator. And um, we see shows go big on Snapchat. They get mm. tens of thousands, many more um, uh, unique viewers on a weekly basis. Um, and you know, it almost puts TV to shame sometimes. Not that I'm trying to do that because I'm a big fan. I got a few of them in my house. But yeah. um, the reality is uh, there's a whole nother world of entertainment available on Snap that most media buyers aren't aware of. Yeah. And, and for marketers, the opportunity there is that as you know, more and more of these media companies are putting content onto Snap, more people are going to spend time there. And from a marketing perspective, there's the opportunity for, for them to have their brand show up around that. Is that kind of the idea? Yeah. So it's all, it's free to, yep. to Snapchatters across the country. Yep. Um, it is, uh, and it's commercial, you know, it, it's, it's monetized via commercials mm -hmm. and we have deals with these media partners. Yeah. Rogers, Bell, Underknown, Dipley, CBC, yep. whoever it is, Urbania Media in Quebec. Um, we have deals with them that we do a rep share. So yep. for every dollar spent, you know, we're kicking half of it back to them. Um, and we're supporting local media here in Canada. Um, yep. I should say, we are a local media company in Canada ourselves, um, wholly owned by a company out of the United States in California, but um, we, we are registered here across all provinces and, and our local media business ourselves, who are working to support local media in Canada, our mm -hmm. peers, um, with uh, revenue opportunities and it's yep. working. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so can you dig a bit deeper, share a little bit as to what, you know, you've mentioned you, you guys are really leaning into this kind of media company side of thing. What kind of shows are you looking to create over the over the coming years? You've kind of talked about sports, you've talked about cooking, like, can you can you share a little bit of that? Yeah, so uh, 100%. We um... We do have, uh, we are looking for specific types of shows for sure. Um, we're looking for meaningful partnerships with, with Canadian media businesses of all sizes. Um, you'll find dramedies and dramas, you'll find documentaries, you'll find cooking shows and reality shows, you'll find news and sports. But the reality is we're looking for shows that resonate with that younger Gen Z, early millennial audience. Mm -hmm. And, um, I guess I could even say, and we're being very kind of scripted about it, including in the press recently, uh, we've launched a 523 program, we call it. 523 was the original address in Venice, California, of the first okay. SNAP office. Yep. Um, and that program is focused on giving a voice to smaller minority-owned businesses in Canada and around the world. Yep. So we're partnering with them to surface them just right next to Chorus, yep. Bell, whoever. Yep. Um, and, uh, and we're having a lot of success with that. Mm -hmm. And um, it's amazing how many of those businesses are out there. And I've spent quite a bit of time with a few of them. It absolutely blows my mind, the content they're producing. So that's definitely, uh, that's definitely a part of it. Yeah, totally. And so I want to switch gears here a little bit more talking about the future of, of Snap and Snapchat and spectacles and, and everything. Where are things heading in, in 2022 and beyond? You know, if you're, again, if you're a marketer sitting here listening, going, hey, like I know about Snapchat, I know there's a significant amount of people there in this demographic that I'd like to, you know, potentially target as a marketer, what are some of the things that, that users should be excited about? And what are some of the things that maybe marketers should, should kind of be excited about? Yeah. So, so growth, first and foremost, um, 
we we are we're moving fast yeah. uh something like 20 percent global audience growth year on year and and uh and uh here in canada like i said up to just over 10 million in, in canada um you're that's exciting if you ask me um yeah. especially in this world right now um uh augmented reality uh, and that may play into the shows, but it definitely plays into the advertising. Like you, while you could take your online kind of video asset, your mobile video assets and upload them to Snap and in our ads, self-service ads manager um, and run them. What, what we find is we have, uh, what makes us very unique other than our audience and, and everything else we've talked about is that like we're, we're the world leaders in augmented reality. And while AR for the most part, used to be kind of a fun toy. Like remember those dog ears and whatnot. Yeah. Um, it's becoming a tool. It's becoming a tool for consumers around the world. Um, yeah. In this new world order where we're a little bit hesitant to dip our finger in the tester at Sephora and, and try on the, the makeup because we don't know whose finger was in there before. You know, we can do, <laughs> we can do that while you're on the go on Snapchat using augmented reality. Yeah. Um, in this new world where you don't want to put the glasses on or you don't want to like... I don't know, jump into a, a store. You can do that online to try the pants on or the uh, or, or your jacket um, or other accessories. So what mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're continuing to double down in augmented reality. Yeah. Um, we're seeing a lot of success there. There's over 200 million Snapchatters that use augmented reality every day. Wow. 75% of Canadians are on the platform are using it as well. Wow. And, um, and they're not just using this to have fun and chat and communicate with the friends. They're, they're using this to help them make their lives easier, mm -hmm. solving math problems, finally figuring out what kind of dog you have. Um, you know, what's that tree in my backyard, uh, best route to, 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 to get to work. Um, snap is a beautiful map, a social map. We can talk about that super yep. unique. Um, so the reality is I think what you're going to see is, uh, if, you know, and I'm no, I'm no, uh, I'm not, I'm not really good with predictions. I've never really <laughs> the good thing about predictions is that you can you can be wrong. It's it, you just okay. gotta you, right. you get to stake your claim. <laughs> I like that. I, I appreciate that. But I do think, but we'll see. Um, is and there's a lot of data to support this. Price Waterhouse came out with a uh, with a stat. Um, like oh, I have to remember the number, but it was. 75 or something percent of uh, consumers on the planet will have used AR by 2025, right? Yeah. So we don't reach 75% of consumers on the planet. Maybe one day we will, but um, the reality is we do reach 75% of that 13 to 34 audience and they are using yeah. AR. And, and um, my guess is we're gonna see increased adoption because yeah. uh, it works. And, and as we continue to invest in the camera, remember we're a camera company, it's just mind blowing what the camera can do for yeah. a consumer um, to help them pick out the right size, right style, uh, the car they want without ever, you know, sit in the car they want without ever having to go sit in it, um, you name it. So I, yeah. think, uh, I think we're gonna see more focus on the camera. It's the fastest way to communicate. Pictures and, and video speak hundreds or thousands of words. And you know, I'm very thankful I work for a camera company. Yeah, yeah. I remember when we were chatting before the episode, you kind of mentioned how the, the camera is replacing the keyboard and, and hearing you kind of talk through the, the, you know, AR. And I think like for the past, you know, Snap was early to the game in AR, right? Like, but now to your point, we are starting to see that kind of like mass adoption of, of you know, it. Can you talk a little bit about how 
Um, you know, how is the business thinking about what, what's unique is that there, you do have a hardware product associated with the software product, right? With spectacles. Um, can you, can you talk a little bit about that and, and how you think that's going to shape things moving forward or the power of kind of having both of those things and what that allows you to do versus kind of some other companies in the space? You know, when I, when I think back, when I was in college, I didn't have a mobile phone. Um, I did know a couple of people who had those like car phones. Remember yeah. those things? Oh yeah. Um, you, you were a baller <laughs> if you had one of those. Oh yeah. And, and, <laughs> I was not, but um, <laughs> let's, uh, uh, I, I, I always wanted a car phone. I had no idea I wanted, what I really wanted was a mobile phone, yeah. right? Like I had no idea. Yeah. Um, and I think what we're at, we've been using these devices, you know, they've had regular adoption probably since 1998 or thereabouts in the Western world. And about 10 years ago, I think it was 11, 11 years ago, someone threw a camera on the back of the phone. Yeah. Right. Um, Snap, Evan and Bobby founded Snap like six months later. Yeah. The second they saw that camera, it was like, wow, boom, like texting's going out the window. Um, we can we can communicate way faster than like they're hitting words, typing words and swiping words or whatever. whatever yeah. it is. So I think when I think about hardware, I think that like the phone's good, like it's gotten smaller, it's gotten powerful, mm -hmm. it's in your pocket, but it's not perfect. And yeah. if we think about anything in the uh, in like the history of time. The innovation is, is, is kind of what drives the economy forward. So it's hard to think that the phone is the last form factor we're going to use as, you know, to communicate between ourselves. It's yeah. just like anyone who thinks that is not thinking that like once the phone, you know, it's all, the phone has already evolved so much from that, that thing on the wall with the yeah. tiny little, you know, uh, wiggly wire and all that jazz. Um, so so we, we, we think that there's another, there's probably a better way. It's, it's not going to come tomorrow, yeah. um, but we're invested heavily in uh, via our spectacles team uh, in a pair of glasses, basically that have cameras on them that can see the world around you. And that maybe you can kind of see, can augment the world around you while you're using them. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're on like our fourth iteration and um, there's more to come for sure. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the way I look at it is we're investing in what we hope to be, uh, what we think might be, I should say, um, the future form factor of the mobile phone. And I guess when people start to think about it, they're like, well, no, everyone's not going to wear glasses. We don't expect everyone in the world to wear them. Just like everyone in the world doesn't use the same phone. Yeah. But if it's an option, uh, over time, people may become more comfortable with these new form factors. And these new form factors may accelerate the adoption of augmented reality. Mm -hmm. And um, and while AR is growing fast and, and there's a lot of companies out there leaning into it today, and I'd like to think, as you said, we were the first in order to maintain our kind of position in, 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 in AR, we need to kind of be thinking five to 10 years out. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, I want you to take your, your Snapchat hat off for a sec. Your Snap, your Snapchat hat off. You've been around the block and, and have a diverse background in consulting and ad tech and now working in a platform itself. What are you most excited about when it comes to just marketing brands today? Like, you know, completely separate. You've kind of sat on like all different sides of the fence. And so I always I always type, like to ask guests this kind of question, like what gets you fired up? Can I, can I say snap? Can I say Snapchat? <laughs> you can say Snapchat, but like a non-Snapchat <laughs> thing where you're like, hey, I think that is pretty awesome. Um, yeah. So listen, there's a lot to be um, excited about. Privacy protocols, uh, level playing fields, renewed interest in Gen Z and millennials. Um, 
Wow, there's 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 uh, the world is changing fast. Yeah. Um, but from a from a marketing and advertising perspective, I think one of the one of the biggest things that sometimes goes unnoticed and it's been developing for years is like the direct to the consumer movement. Um, so whether you're a CPG company or a consumer electronics company or an automotive company, you can go down the list. Um, sectors are starting to, you know, brands are paying more and more attention today to first party data and connecting with the, their, their, their consumer. And for a long time, they couldn't, right? They had to work through a middleman. So, you know, when I think about what gets me excited, I'm, I'm really excited about like the multitude of channels that brands now have at their disposal mm -hmm. to communicate and, uh, and connect with their customers. Yeah. It's, uh, it's uncanny. And, and we're watching this in real time uh, develop, which means that it often slides kind of through the cracks. But if you go back in time, 10 years, it was a different world. And, um, totally. and, uh, and I think if you, jump forward in time, 10 years, you're going to see this thing play out. And it's going to be really interesting. There's going to be a lot of winners and losers. Um, but the reality is the movement has started and brands have started to build the capabilities and the technology and the know-how and the resources that connect with the consumer and don't necessarily need to rely on middlemen anymore. And in that vein, that has a lot of implications. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting hearing you, you say that. I think back to, you know, whenever you're kind of caught up in, as a marketer thinking about like, ah, oh, like there's all the latest tech and channels and we need to get more sophisticated. When you zoom out and you're like, this thing is 10 years old or 12 years old. Like when did the iPhone come out? Right. Like that was kind of like a big, a big turning point. Like just remember that we are in the complete infancy of this thing. Right. Like, and even, you know, I think back to like 2015, like seven years ago, five years ago, it was a completely different, like the things that marketers focused on, the way that consumers behaved, all, all these different pieces. And so, yeah, it is going to be interesting to see where it goes in two years, five years, 10 years, right? Like that's doubling the age of it is just going to be ridiculous. I mean, you could think about 5G or now what are we talking about? 6G, right? <laughs> you could talk about processing speeds. Yeah. You can talk about connectivity. There are so many things. The world's moving fast. Snap was 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 named by Fast Company, the most innovative company in the world last year, I think it was. And uh, yeah. you know, for for that, you know, I'm proud that those in the know are taking notice. Yeah. But the, the the reality is is companies need to innovate, and companies are in like I went. I mean, not to date myself, but I went through this in the in the dot com boom. I lived in San Francisco. I watched what happened. I watched when like the largest shoe company in the world was not Nike, you know, some other company. And, yeah. um, and, and, and I, I, you know, we watched these things happen and full uh, unfold in front of our eyes back then. And, and it's happening again, right? Like the, the pivot to, to the internet was a big deal. Mm -hmm. And then the internet went mobile, right? Yeah. Through broad, right? And now we're pivoting again to this, like to laying computing on the world in front of us so that yeah. it's more ingrained in, in, in our lives uh, and, and is more, um, more valuable to us as individuals, whether we're trying to connect with our friends and family, make a purchase, do research, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And travel and opportunities are endless. So yeah, you're right, man. It's been like what are we, 2022? It's been 22 years, right? That's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely nothing. And, and, uh, and I, I hope to be here in 2020, in 22 years, in, tw in 2044. Um, I can't imagine um, what 
how we're going to like i can't imagine how it's all going to be played out and uh, i think that's what gets me excited yeah i think the thing that excites me like here hearing you kind of talk through all those things because you obviously have a different point of view is that i can't help but think about you know we saw that there was the internet then there was laptops then there was phones now we're starting to see wearables with apple watch or spectacles or google glass or all the different products or and, and I think what's going to be interesting to your point is like how, how the internet or digital is kind of being laid on the world through both hardware and software and kind of like the seamless integration of that and almost like the miniaturization of tech so that you don't even really know that you're not focused on the tech, you're focused on the experience through the tech. And so that's an interesting thing, right? That's why I, like I get so excited about, about Snap because you do have both the hardware and the software components. And not a lot of the companies have that. Some of the big ones do, but some of them, a lot of them don't. And so I think that's like a big differentiator is being able to kind of own the rails, so to speak, in terms of, of access point. It's, it's, it's well said. I mean, I think 10 years from now, we're going to look back on these times and be like, wow, how clunky was everything? <laughs> um, you know, I mean, that's the way I remember. Just think about 10 years ago, it was really clunky. You got, oh, yeah. you got, a, you got one file type, you were kind of, you were, you had to convert it to yeah. open it, you know, like things that things have come a long way. So yeah. it's, um, it, yeah, miniaturization, more seamless kind of uh, interaction with, you know, kind of use cases, it's going to be there. And I think that's why things like privacy um, and security are yeah. so important because we got to get it right now. Otherwise, let's face it, like things are going to get really messy. Yeah. And, um, and I, I'm proud of Snap, you know, it's probably the number one thing we focus on every day. Yeah. Well, and to your point, like thinking about setting those foundations, I almost think back to it's like, you know, whatever, 150, 200 years ago when like setting up what are the pillars and frameworks and principles of society that got set up? It's the same thing. And, and I think we're seeing this play out um, from a, a, you know, a political government side of things, right, with privacy regulations. How do you regulate this thing that kind of doesn't recognize land borders? How do you, what is the right thing for us to do? What is, what is right for consumers and what is right for businesses and all those different things? And it's fascinating that, you know, we're kind of living through a time where these things are going to be set up probably. And yeah, it's, it's going to kind of set, set the way things happen in, you know, 20, 30, 40 years from now. And I don't know, I think about that. It's like, it's like, imagine working in television when the TV was invented. Like, that's amazing. Wow. Yeah, no, exactly. Radio, um, <laughs> printing press. Like, yeah, hundred percent. Like I, uh, I agree with you. It needs to, we need to get it right now. And, and one of the ways to do that, if you're in the media world or marketing world or advertising world, however you want to look at it, is mm -hmm. to become an expert on as many platforms as possible and to understand the ins and outs and the strengths of all of them. And that way, you know, because listen, there's no guarantees how things are going to play out. But mm -hmm. uh, I do think uh, I do think I'm, uh, I'm betting on the right horse. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, as we start to wind down this episode, one of the questions that I always ask guests is, how do you stay up to date on, on business and marketing? Who are you following? What are you reading? Who are you listening to? To give you some background, I, I actually dropped out of university. Um, so I went to university for about a month. And then the way that I got into marketing was, was through reading and kind of like lurking and tearing things down across the internet. So I always want to ask people, you know, what are, what are you listening to? What are you reading? What are you following? It's funny you say that because, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I had been in the tech space since uh, I was on Wall Street until uh, 1999, 98, I think. And then uh, I, I, I transferred to California, San Francisco, and I ended up falling in love with tech and the Internet and made a massive career uh, change and all that. And uh, yeah. 
Um, I found myself kind of mid-career about 10 years ago working for Incisive Media. Um, I helped build the business and uh, and we owned a platform, ClickZ or ClickZ as it's often understood. We owned Search Engine Watch and Search Engine Strategies. Yeah. And like I ended up being like the publisher of a lot of these brands. <laughs> and, and like I got to travel from city to city, including here to Toronto, you know, meeting with these you know, proprietors, entrepreneurs, building these digital agencies and software companies and whatnot. Yeah. And I was just so impressed. And, and that, that to me for a long time was the way I kept up was like going to conferences and reading totally. kind of the trades. Right. Um, but that's changed. I think over time, your, you know, your behaviors change and, and, uh, and, and the information that's available to you uh, refreshes. Um, so podcasts like this one, what's working, love it. Uh, the feed, another good one with Amber Mack. Marketing news is a good one. Mission critical at the Bay Street, uh, Bay Street Bowl is a good one. I even, uh, I even listen to built to sell every once in a while. I'm a ferocious, ferocious, ferocious reader. Yeah. So like morning brews, uh, newsletter, ad age, uh, ad week, uh, media in Canada, kind of all those, all those in, are in my inbox in the morning. And, um, you know, I, I kind of start my day every day with like, sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's an hour. It really depends on the news day and my, and my schedule, but just kind of mm -hmm. quickly reading through a lot of them. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's not all work you know I, I like to i like to think i like to keep up on things uh more theoretical kind of totally uh, like those 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 transferable skills that i think we all need to remember because like it's not just about being an expert in, in an individual industry it's right it's about having those skills that will take you farther in life and thing so i've read a few books lately um which I, i'll i've actually bought uh, some of them for my team. Uh, yeah. Breath, Breath, the new science of a lost art is uh, is amazing. Um, highly recommend it. There's a book, Factfulness, I found really interesting. Ten hmm. reasons why we're wrong about the world and why why things are better than you think. <laughs> it was really interesting. interesting. Factfulness. Yeah. I'm gonna take that. I I'm gonna add that to my list and write it down. And then add this one too. Um, the power of bad by uh, John Tierney. He, okay. um, the power of bad. I, I ripped through that. I've been, you know, we've had a lot of time, um, on our hands. I think yeah. this last two years living in Canada, which has allowed me to focus on my kids. It's also allowed me to kind of follow my passion of mentorship. Um, I, I, I work with big brothers, big sisters, Canada. I, you know, I'm in the mentor program at Ad we and elevate, uh, here in Toronto. Um, all of that, I found that time by not having to commute and not having dinners and, and, and events yeah. to go to and all that stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, so I've also found time to read. So the power of bad um, is, is a good one. It speaks to uh, how bad things can like, it's, it's just amazing how one indiscretion can change your life forever. Even if you've been the most like, you know, model citizen um, in the world. And, and I, I highly recommend it. I, it was eye-opening. I had not thought about bad. I'm using air quotes now for the yeah. listening. I had not thought about bad um, in this way. Huh. So uh, interesting. Yeah, anyway. Well, I'm going to add that to the list. Okay. Last question for you. What's the best place for people to find you online or get a hold of you? I'm on all channels. Uh, you can search Matt McGowan. Um, you can search Matt McGowan Snapchat, but uh, I, I, I'm on Snapchat as McGowan Matt. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn as the username McGowan. Uh, so forward slash McGowan. I'm on Twitter as at Matt underscore McGowan. Any of those, any of those are great. I uh, I do, uh, I think we talked about this, Charlie. I, 
I try to respond to everybody. Um, I really do, especially if it's thoughtful. Yeah. Um, and and thoughtful is very subjective, I know. But you know, if you're just going to pitch me for no reason and we have no relationship, I don't necessarily know if that's thoughtful. I try to respond to everyone, and I also try to meet three new people every week. So um, I've been doing this for two decades, and it has worked for me because I steal always- that. I always learn something new. I don't care if you're in if you're in high school or if you are uh, the CEO of a Fortune 500. Um, to me, it's um, I like to say hi, and it's yeah. never been easier um, now that we're all online. Yeah, well, I mean that's how you and I got together for this episode. So with that, I want to thank you very much for your time. I, I really, really appreciate it. Super interesting conversation, and uh, have a good rest of the day. Charlie, thank you so much. I can't wait to listen. For show notes, other episodes, and more content, check out rightmetric.co. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening.